Friday, November 3rd in the year 2023. I guess on the East Coast, you're now cruised right into Saturday, which is pretty cool. We've got a lot to cover tonight. I'm going to get into some issues here. We're going to center on Genesis 34, and this is Dina and the Shechemites. There's a reason I want to dig into this. There's a We have a problem in our nation, and it is the problem of the obsession of the youth and the young by adults. And a lot of that comes from the fact that we don't have consequence for those actions. Pedophilia is our most prominent, but it extends even worse because it extends into men the way they treat women. 
And especially when we get into men and their desires for younger women, like really young, I'm talking kids. But it also reflects into marriages and it reflects into the relationships and the way men are going at women. Now, this is going to put men on the bubble tonight. I'm just going to say that up front. But we have a problem and a crisis in our nation. It centers in the family. And unfortunately, a lot of this is in men and the, in the objectification of women. So we're going to get into all that here in a little bit. Before we get going, we do have an issue in our country of things falling apart, unfortunately. Systems are collapsing. And with that, a lot of the things we can become accustomed to for our safety and our security are falling by the wayside. We are seeing stresses on police departments. We are seeing stresses in budgets. And we're seeing an increase in crime as we have a delusional and tyrannical government that is not serving the will of the people, but trying to force into our society increased levels of crime, which will cause chaos and violence, hopefully in their eyes, over years. And we can't let that happen. Ultimately, we have a line to draw that we have to draw and hold the line for our nation and the republic. And that at some point or another is going to fall on every person to not only stand in the mightiness of the Lord, but to make sure that you have the capacity to defend your home. iTarget Pro is one of these devices that helps you maintain these skills that you're going to need, which are perishable skills to improve trigger control, breathing, target placement, precision and sighting, all of these things, and doing it in the safety of your home using a laser bullet and having a receiver that's tied to your phone. So it's an app-based device and you're able to score yourself. You're able to match scores with other people if you want to have competition. But even more than that, so it allows you to train gun safety in the safety of your home with your children and your wife. Important issues of these days. So if you use, if you go to itargetpro.com, letter I, targetpro.com, you use your promo code BARDS, you're going to get free shipping and 10% off. Super important. And it's a great product. Everyone should have one. You can get specific calibers for your pistols and, and your weapons. And again, it's in the safety of your home. Cuts down range time and cuts down ammo cost. So again, I, letter I, targetpro.com, promo code BARDS, free shipping and 10% off. Check it out. All the links are below the podcast. It's I find it a very disturbing issue of how we have become so accepting of children being exploited in our societies. And it, it disturbs me daily on every level. And when you start talking to people who have been victimized this way, these are scars that last long into their lifetime. It's, and it begins when they're young. I mean, we have 18, 20, 25-year-olds I mean, even at that range, trying to go after girls that are 14 and 15, sometimes 16. And there's always this justification like, oh, they're almost, oh, they're almost. And almost is not what we're talking about here. There's, there seems to be a predatorial behavior in men that starts very young. And unfortunately, I'm, I know this is true from the research that I've done, and, and you do the testimonies enough with people. And this predatorial behavior anchors itself ultimately in the objectification of women, and we've lost the value of the gift and the glory of what God gave us. I would argue that it might even go further back, because it might even go to the garden when 
Eve is ambushed. But instead of saying she's ambushed, we blame Eve for not having the will. And then we find a way in our life to always blame the woman for the fall, which is complete garbage. Because Adam didn't do his job, by the way. He didn't rebuke her for the apple issue. He just kind of went along with it. So, you know, that, that whole thing, we start to see the falling of the, of the house right then in the garden. But we have a massive problem in our nation, and it's the sexualization of everything. And as sexualization gets more, the desire to be with very young people or to just acquire sex at any cost becomes a driving issue in our nation, and it leaves long-term scars. If you've ever worked deliverance with somebody who has had those sort of scars, this is more than scars. In the occult and in the Masonic cults as well, they believe that anal rape is necessary to bring about portals and the demonic powers that they feed on. So they anally rape babies, they anally rape children, they anally rape things all the time, including men. So just a sickness. And it's and so all this leads to sexual practices in our culture that are perverted. Most of the sexual practices that go on as what we consider normal today in our bedrooms originated, and I say these in the sexual practices of pleasure, originated in the occult. And you can go right to Aleister Crowley and read about the stuff that he was doing and what he was trying to provoke, sex magic, and the sort of things they did. And that's when you start to look at that part of it, because I've had discussions and people saying, well, there isn't really explicit in the Bible. Well, I'll tell you where it is. If you look at the occult and you see the sorts of things that they do and why they do them, the mockery of God and the invoking of power from the demonic, you don't need to ask yourself whether it's in the Bible They've gained something, and you need to do opposite of what they do. So if they're doing something, then you can count on the fact that it's probably not right. Probably one of the tops of that list, besides the obsession with which has become culturally normed in a lot of generations, which is the aspect of anal sex is also oral sex. And all of that originates from the occult. So yeah, we're getting a little detail tonight, but this is important to understand what we're dealing with because these are not relationships. When we start building relationships in the flesh and we start to look at the corruption that's happening, all of these things are happening because we've allowed the practices of the occult to creep in. And the way it's creeping in is through the normalization of our pornography industry that's flooding into our homes. And there's no consequence to anything that we're doing. There's no guidance. There's In church, you're not supposed to talk about this. Because if you do, it's taboo. It's like, whoa, don't go there. Those are, those are like bad words. Ridiculous. Because it's happening everywhere. And even worse, the fact that we're not talking about it is leading children to be led into those traps. And because we're not teaching the morals correctly, we're not even on the biblical framework when it comes to sexualization of this nation. Like we're off into the netherlands of the lake of fire. Our children are gaining inappropriate and 
even worse, demonic-type sexual practices when they're young, whether it's to avoid pregnancy, to find physical pleasure, and they're not taught and nurtured in the power of, of the Spirit, of what really the relationship should be. Our relationships are founded and grounded truly in the relationship with the Spirit, and that gets to the verse that I have been saying so much, which was John 15, and to try to live into that, which is truly profound when we do. Because when you live into John 15 and you're walking in that space, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes so that I will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have given you, the teachings which I have discussed with you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Just as, just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining on the vine, neither can you bear fruit in producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. And it continues. All of these principles, and John 15 is one that I just kind of pivot on because as we list, li, live in the vine, we live in the true sense of with Jesus. There's a purity of what we're doing that is truly relational in the spirit. But the fact is that when you dig into sexual practices and you go deep and you go hard and you go to the root, which we're saying, I am saying so much these days, take the ax to the root of the problem. You will find that the majority of things that are considered norm today in people's bedrooms, without getting into your stuff more than that, originate from the occult. And if the occult has been doing them as sexual magic practices, you can pretty much figure it's not part of the Bible. I don't even have to find the scripture to figure that one out. Much of our problem has occurred in a society where consequences have been cast aside. And as we have a perversion of pornography in our culture that has come literally underground into everybody's homes, and we see that statistically, over 70% of pastors watch porn regularly or even Many are addicted to porn. We have 80% of men have some form of porn addiction. And when you get to young kids, 12 and under, we're seeing 80% or more that have been exposed to hardcore pornography by the time they're age 12. That is insane. So everything has been turned on its head. The beauty and glory of a spiritual relationship with a woman becomes an objectified relationship. So young boys as they grow up in this over-sexualized, hyper-sexualized culture, are going to start looking for outlets because that's what this does. It enhances the dopamine and the adrenaline experience with them, and they want to have an outlet. And so you begin to get into all sorts of bankrupt sexual practices, and that will include homosexual experimentation. It will also include the predatorial behavior towards young girls. And I am focusing on men tonight. And I'm sure we can make some discussion about women down the road, which is, unsadly, it is, it, that's another area that is very much increasing. And the principles are exactly the same, but I want to zero in on men tonight. And we end up with a culture of people that live here in all ages with a reprobate mind. And they don't have a mind for Christ because Jesus becomes this, even if you're going to church, I mean, Look, let's be real. Some of the wildest sex parties out there for in high school are with 
young, what we call Christian girls. And you'll hear that talk all the time. So why is that happening? And there's a bankruptcy in the entire principle of what it is to walk in Christ. This isn't just a Sunday deal where you go to get dipped in some water and you say, I, pro- I proclaim Christ in my life and get renewed every Sunday and then do whatever you want during the week. And that's the principle of what we've talked about on this channel since the beginning. It is a walk with Jesus in all things at all times, living in and through him. And unfortunately, these young girls are damaged. I was with somebody for eight years in a relationship. She had, had, was a recovering meth addict and had an alcohol problem. She was an, she had an amazing soul. I wouldn't have been with her otherwise. I had no capacity at that time of understanding how to heal these things. And we had a lot of problems. But do you know the origin of all that? She went to a party in high school and was gang raped by five guys. And that trauma, which was not well handled in her home, in fact, she was blamed for it, put her on an endless cycle of drinking and also meth, which when I had met her, she was past that. And she had a really kind soul, but Boy, did she have some darkness. Oh, my gosh. There was more to the failure of that relationship. Part of it was I was gone for four years on deployment, which doesn't add to anything. But my point is this person was damaged because of something that happened in high school. And that's scarring unless we have the abilities within the spirit to really heal it. They are going to fester there inside. And what's going to happen is that image that goes on to somebody like that sticks and they don't see themselves as beautiful. They see themselves as a whore. And that's a, the most degrading piece. And that's Satan's little trick right there. And this is what tends to happen as we over-sexualize a culture and we lack the, the honesty in our homes to talk about these things. And we're always pushing in the idea of relationships in the physical, we get rid of the concept of courtship, which is an interesting one because the family's not involved in dating like it used to be. We look at this as ancient practice where really as you court somebody, the whole family's involved in all the meetings so there's a maturity and development. And unfortunately, the consequences of these sorts of things end up with Sexual defilement usually in these relationships early on and the relationships are forged in the bed instead of forged in the spirit. That is the majority of our relationships in this state. That practice starts young and it continues when they are adults and men continue that practice even in their marriages. So let me read this passage because I think that this this is Genesis 34 and I want to go through this here tonight because I think it's extremely important to appreciate the consequence In fact, it's biblical and what happened in this story to somebody that was defiled. And I want you to, as we read this, I want you to think about how this would be handled today if, and how our world would be today if this was the consequence for defiling somebody. Now, Dina, the daughter of Leah, had born to Jacob, went out to visit the women of the land when Shechem son of Hamer, the Hivite, 
the ruler of that area, saw her. He took her and raped her. His heart was drawn to Dina, daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. And Shechem said to his father, Hammer, get me that girl as my wife. That's not courtship, by the way. That's rape. And I love this idea that he, he spoke tenderly to her. He raped her. Let's get clear. And that's, just so I say it, this behavior is very common in our culture. And we don't call it rape. We'll just call it something else. But it's like this whole principle, the guys are going to try to, there's so much of this idea of conquering the girl and conquering the woman. I feel like an episode of the Flintstones when I talk about stuff like this. Anyway, I'm going to continue. When Jacob heard that his daughter Dina had been defiled, his sons were in the fields with with his livestock, so he did nothing about it until they came home. Then Shechem's father, Hammer, went out to talk with Jacob. Meanwhile, Jacob's sons had come in front of the fields as soon, come in from the fields as soon as they had heard what had happened. They were shocked and furious because Shechem, had done an outrageous thing in Israel by sleeping with Jacob's daughter, a thing that should not have been done. Yeah, no kidding. So if this is in the Bible saying that, I'm always curious, why do we end up with the same behavior today? But Hammer said to them, my son Shechem has his heart set on your daughter. Imagine if you were the father of of a daughter that was raped and this guy comes to you and says, hey, yo, dude, My son really likes your daughter. He raped her, but no, I want him as your wife. So he continues, please give her to him as his wife. Intermarry with us. Give us your daughters and take our daughters for yourselves. You can settle among us. The land is open to you. Live in in it, trade in it, and acquire property in it. What the heck? She's just a piece of property. My son raped her. No big deal. Just pass her over to me. I wish I'd like to tell you that this sort of attitude in a, in a broader sense, was no longer existent in culture. But we know that's not true. And it's not that the, you're going to trade a daughter for something like that, but it's, it's not paying attention many times to what happens to the child, allowing children to go out and be vulnerable on their own. And then the consequences are done, and then what do you do about it? And there's no accountability. So let's continue. Then Shechman said to Dina's father and brothers, let me find favor in your eyes and I will give you whatever you ask. Make the price for the bride and the gift I am to bring as great as, as you like and I'll pay whatever you ask me. Only give me the young woman as my wife, says the slathering fool. Because the sister Dina had been defiled, Jacob's sons replied deceitfully as they spoke to Shechem and his father Hammer. They said to them, we can't do such a thing. We can't give our sister to a man who is not circumcised. That would be a disgrace to us. We will enter into an agreement with you on one condition only, that you become like us by circumcising all your males. Then we will give you our our daughters and take your daughters for ourselves. We'll settle among you and become one people with you. But if you will not agree to be circumcised, we will take your, our sister and go. Their proposal seemed good to Hammer and his sons Shechem. The young man, the young man, who was the most honored of all of his family, lost no time in doing 
what they said because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. Yeah, he raped her. Of course he was delighted with her. He raped her. She was young. He had defiled her. And he's all excited and horny now. And he also has this conquering spirit. It's like, I've got myself a wife. I can, and, it's, and there is a thing here with guys, to be clear. And men, listen, because you know what I'm talking about. There is this dominance thing in the physicalness of sex. And you're seeing it right here in the biblical story. And it's kind of like this conquering thing. So he goes on. They, uh, and he says, Hammer and his son Shechem went to the gate of their city to speak to the men of their city. Quote, these men are friendly towards us, they said. Let them live in our lands and trade in it. The land has plenty of room for them. We can marry their daughters and they can marry ours. But the men will agree to live with us as one people only on the condition that our males be circumcised as they themselves are. Won't their livestock, their property, and all other animals become ours? So let us agree to their terms, and they will settle among us. All the men went out of the city of the gate, agreed with Hammer and his son Shechem, and every male in the city was circumcised. I love this story, the way it ends. I'll tell you right now. Three days later, while all the men were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dina's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. They put Hammer and his son Shechem to the sword and took Dina from Shechem's house and left. The sons of Jacob came upon the dead bodies and looted the city where the sister had been defiled. They seized their flocks and herds and donkeys and everything else of theirs in the city and out in the fields. They carried off all their wealth and their women and children, taking as plunder everything in the houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have brought trouble on me by making me obnoxious in the Canaanites and the Perizzites, the people living in this land. We are few in number, and they, are, they may join forces against me and attack me, and, and I and my household will be destroyed. And this was their reply. But they replied, it says, should he have treated our sister like a prostitute? What honorable brothers. And the question that I really put here tonight is what would happen if our world worked like that with that much honor? Our children have become accustomed to the idea of free sex, of easy sex, of being lured. And I would go so far as to say that young girls... And I am, I'm going to go to the fence of young girls and go on the attack on young men, which is going to lead me to an attack on older men. So, so I'm, I'm clear. I'm, not, I'm setting it up. But if this makes you uncomfortable, then yeah, I guess you can tune out. But I hope you don't because there's a message here you need to hear. Young girls are coming into their prime and are aware in their inside of them that they're going to be mothers. And part of that is a desire to be with another. It's something that parents have to be aware of. It's one of the reasons courtship happened because they don't want the young young couple to get together too prematurely because they know that the hormones are running. When you compound much of this with broken families, which is almost becoming normalized in the United States, actually it has been, and you 
are dealing with that, then you have other layers of emotions with children and young kids because there's a desire to be loved and wanted and there's a hole in their heart, literally spiritually, that's trying to please to fill something that they're missing, which is one of the parents. And it actually works two ways because young boys are the same thing. But there's an aggression in men. And there's a, and it's in a society like I've talked about, it's hypersexualized. There isn't a balance of the spirit, there's an over push of the physical. And so pleasure becomes through the physical aspect of conquering through sex. And the relationships that are seen are about sexual attraction, not spiritual attraction. We don't talk about spiritual attraction. We don't talk about spiritual love. What we talk about is the depth, which it goes to about just underneath the shirt and into the bra from a, a guy's point of view. And that is literally about as far as most young men see because they're interested in the body and the flesh. They haven't been even taught to appreciate the power in the spirit. And what begins as a young man continues into adulthood. All of this is rooting itself in a pretty simple issue, which is a weak pulpit that won't speak of these things boldly in church or rarely, and a lack of a biblical worldview in our culture. Because at the root of this, the, our faith is what keeps us on the straight and narrow with God. And the accountability to him is, is fantastic. But what I love about Genesis, Old Testament, is there are real consequences in the Old Testament, by the way, which I love. There are real consequences for action. So imagine if the consequence of a young man taking someone's daughter out and that young man defiled her outside of marriage. Imagine if the standard consequence was like just we're going to savagely take your house away from you and cast you out on the street. I guarantee you those sorts of negative effects would promote parents to parent more disciplined with their children. But we don't have that. And so we, we allow this idea of dating and online activity and all of these portals of hell that come into our home and our children are vulnerable. The easiest way you can help save a child, by the way, is take their cell phone and their digital appliances away from them because I don't care what you have done on these things. I don't care how hard you try. You are not going to stop a young person from getting onto the places you think you've stopped them from. They're smart. They're very digitally agile. And if you have any questions about that, go check out the great new Bards Nation website and realize that the whole front end of that was built by my assistant who's... 22 years old and had never done web design until eight weeks ago. They are so, that generation is so digitally adept. So we lack the consequence and we suffer the result. And this carries on into adulthood. So what happens when somebody is molested or they're brought into a date situation and a young girl is, has sex. These are all things that are very special. You know that there's a, there's a study that I just read is pretty interesting. That when a man and a woman come together and there is a, um, and they have intercourse in the process of literally making a child, 
that the DNA of a man stays within that woman forever. It's not, I'm not kidding. So imagine what's just happened to a young girl. And these are not topics that we openly discuss in our homes because it becomes uncomfortable. We don't talk about them in the churches because it's like, that's taboo. You're talking about sex. We're talking about saving children. We're talking about saving adults. We're talking women. And once this, this attitude in the youth becomes acceptable of any sort of fashion, that like I'm going to go on a date and the goal is to have to make out with some somebody, that's my goal, and then from there that's going to lead to other things. Those are progressive attitudes. I mean steps within an attitude of, of young men in many ways. I'm not going to, not everybody, but many. And that is going to continue into college and it's going to get worse. It's promoted by fraternities. These sexual behaviors are, are continued to be amplified. The, the, the male's role is in the pushing of the man to be sexualized and sex-driven is, is unbelievable in this culture. And under the current of that is pornography, which just destroys any sort of understanding of what a woman is, the beauty and the pristine gift that she represents in the kingdom to us, and the fact that she is part of carrying the child, the gift, the greatest gift God gives us. Her purpose is to bring children into the world. It isn't, even though and people will argue, it's like, well, the Bible says the woman's body is half man, half of the man's, and the man's body is half of the woman's. It doesn't talk to us about sex being just an act. It talks about creation. And again, I will go to if for the lack of some detail that some people claim in Scripture, I will simply go to the occult and tell you what the occult does is the opposite of what God wants. They are mere. They mock everything, and everything about their culture is about everything that has become the pleasure culture within our within the standard of society. And these practices are known to the youth, and they continue into adulthood. And the victim, in the end of this day, it is the objectification of the woman by the man, which is ultimately leading to a degenerate relationship in our families. And our family structure, our whole concept of what a family is, gets destroyed. It gets down to the, it's the corruption down deep into the root. And you can't fix that easily. Because the entire relationships then going forward from youth forward, since everything is objectified, so many of the relationships going forward are built on a false root. It's a corrupted root because it's not built on the beauty and the intimacy of the spiritual. And that level is profound. And that's where we go back to courtship in the old way. Why parents and families were always involved in the dating because the person that was dating the the young girl, that young man, or vice versa, but typically the young man would come over to the girl's house. The whole family would want to know who he is. They would get to know him well. They would be with him on all their dates. And we look at that and go, oh, my goodness, I want my privacy. You'll get your privacy when you're married, but not before. And that gets then to the value of the institution of marriage. And the value of the institution of marriage is skewed. We don't value it with the power and magnitude of what it really is. It is a union and covenant before God. So we start to put these pieces together and we go back to 
to Genesis 34, and we realize what the brothers have done. They have solved the problem for raping their sister because there was never a covenant made, and the consequence of defiling their sister cost them everything. It cost Shechem and Hamer everything. And I look at this story and I go, man, this is a great story. And I just, again, I amplify this and say, what would happen if our world got back to that? There was a story in Afghanistan similar to this. Actually, it's amazing. This is a real story. It's between two Pashtun tribes. And the boy and the girl were dating. And in these tribes, they were not supposed to be dating. There was These were arranged marriages. They had some really rigid rules. They violated them. They were dating. So the young boy was captured, caught by the, by the girl's family slash tribe, and they raped him, badly raped him. And then in response, the young girl was captured, taken by the other tribe family, and she was brutally raped. And so now we have two tribes that are together, and this happened while I was in Afghanistan, so that goes back to 2006. Now you have two families slash tribes that are ready to go kill each other over this. And so they literally pulled together a council, which they call a shura, and they came to the agreement that the two would now be able to be married, and that would solve all the problems. I just shake my head at these sorts of things. It's like, it's just the big get over it. The trauma to that young girl, the trauma to that young boy will shape their relationship forever. The children that come out of that marriage will be cursed with the burdens that they carry in their heart. And that's the other part of this. There is a spiritual dimension to all of this in the way we handle sexual relationships and in our society. And they are being passed on to our progeny. It's, just, it's like a disease. It's like literally like you're passing cancer on to the next. And men, I've said this many times, and I'm going to keep saying it. Pornography is a root here that is corrupting everything, and most men are looking at pornography. Soft, and that leads to harder and harder until it gets to hardcore porn. And hardcore porn leads to the interest and desire to have more exciting experiences, which leads people to child pornography. And the problem with this is that there's a, there is a neurochemical response to all of that that is not easy to break other than your relationship in faith, which can clean it all. But there's equally a desire by many men not to walk away from it. These are corrupted behaviors that in the end affect everything. It corrupts the core of the family. It corrupts the way you relate to your wife. It corrupts the way you relate to your children. If you're seeing porn out here and you're looking at your wife, you're looking at your, your daughter through a similar lens. Would you like to hear that or not? It's true. That means you are now objectifying your daughter. You know, and so moms, I'm just let me hit on this one. This is another one that drives me crazy since I'm kind of like on the list of nicking away at the family disaster of the sexual objectification. One of the things that absolutely drives me batty is when you see some mom that's all dressed up, try to look hot and sexy, that'll be like 
and, and you all know what I'm talking about, so I don't even need to go there. And then that same behavior they encourage in their daughter is like eight or 10 years old. So it's like, oh, great, you're going to turn your daughter into a tart. There has to be accountability for what we're doing. And we have to reset our moral foundation in our families. And we have to get past the idea that sexualization for attractiveness is a norm. It's not. It's literally the handiwork of the devil, which turns the entire relationships that we have into disasters most of the time. And on top of it, we're, we're ruining children's ability to ever have an, an intimate relationship based in the, sex, in the spiritual realm. It, they can they yes if they spend get some really some serious work in scripture yes but it's setting them on a course of destruction and for men this behavior that's allowed in your children and then if you your as men are not doing your job as a steward of the family and subjugating yourself into porn and other things those legacies those curses are carrying on through the family and it will continue on now i'm sure i'm going to hear from somebody going oh our family's fine you know, I don't, we, we have, our, our, we're normal. We had some porn issues or whatever, but we're normal. And the answer is no, you're probably not. Sexual relationships are a very delicate thing. And literally to achieve, I'll state it as my opinion, though I, I will tell you I know it's more than my opinion to avoid a conflict of someone trying to say, read me the scripture. I'm going to go back to the occult. The occult pushes physical pleasure in sex to achieve higher levels of spiritual presence. And they encourage many of these practices to create sexual magic and portals to bring in demonic power. So if that's their practice, and that type of attitude is permeated from young to old throughout our culture. And men have seen that as a new normal, which it has become. Then I think we have something to reconsider in how we look at our relationships between one another. Because I, for one, am not going to walk a path, even though I have, but as I have come aware of that and my accountability, I am not going to walk a path that is mirroring, and it's, the mirroring's not the right term, copying that which, which is in the occult bedroom. Because the occult understands as well that they create these legacies that pass on to children, so that would mean the same over on our side. It's, it's an abhorrent situation we have now. Because sexuality is hit every plane. It's going from young to old. And there is really no rollback to say enough is enough. And we have to get there. And that's going to be a hard turn to get back to where we need to be. But it's going to take us stepping back and being honest that how we act as adults and how our children behave and how we allow them to date and, and the issues of the cultural pornography that is just a root so deep that it's everywhere, the sexualization of all things, the only way we are going to be able to truly build that intimacy in Christ with our children through our families is to tear it out and to core it out. 
and literally start getting back to Jeremiah 6.16, the ancient paths. We have to do this. Because we are not going to succeed in resetting a nation if we continue to walk the practices of the occult and the Satanist horrors. And that sexual culture, which the LGBTQ movement as a whole cannot exist without defining their sexual practices, which are themselves a sin. We can't be like them. We have to be of God. And so there are some things that we have become addicted to as a people, as a culture, that derive sexual pleasure at the extreme that we have to start calibrating back and looking at this and how we build something new. Now, just to wrap this up on more of a positive note, our relationships, God did not say not to have physical relationships. But part of this, and I've talked about this a lot, and there'll be more discussions about this to come, is that the intimacy in the end is a blessing with a purpose. And it is the idea of not restraining God to bring children into this world. Sometimes you will, sometimes you won't, being bringing children. But that intimacy is also intended to be in the spirit, not just in the physical flesh. So I'm leaving that there because I want, that is how you do that in your world. You're going to have to walk that walk and take it to prayer. But I'm going to push the window on this hard because we're seeing the result in the society, which itself has degraded deeply and fallen into the abyss of hypersexualization and physicality into the flesh. And if we look at that and we say, okay, well, that's bad, then we're going to have to look at what makes that right. And what makes that right is resetting these things and starting to get back into the principles of the ancient paths. So as I said, I started out and I've been looking on a lot of practice, a lot of these principles tonight, but it also gets down to the principles of men. And this is the bottom line of all of this tonight. Men have to become mighty men in God, not mighty men in the bed. Men have to become mighty men in God, not mighty men in your consumption of pornography. Men have to become mighty men in God, not your aggressive and abusive behaviors of how you treat women or the objectification of women and seeing them as degraded and lesser. And your performance in your intimate relationships have little to do with your relationship in God as a mighty man, other than the fact that the greatest blessing a man can bring is to have more children. You don't ever see families asking to have smaller families in Bible in the Bible. So the glory of and the blessings for a family for a man, are to become that father of many or as many as God will provide. And it is the nobleness of treating your wife truly for what she is. She's a gift. And for young men, it isn't about sex. It's about learning to experience that love in the spirit, the intimacy in prayer, the sharing of scripture, the doing of things together. You're building something deeper that when you finally decide to get married, then that's consummated with the intent to raise, to have children. These principles, I've been surprised when I brought this up, even, you know, here's some, some folks, it's like, that's pretty strict. 
It's almost Amish-like. Well, yeah, maybe it is. And you know what? There may be something there too. But we need to get back to this principle to save our nation and to save our future of humanity. And it's going to become a discipline. And we have to start recognizing the fact that as we've gone through this and allowed these practices to happen, there's a lot of people that have been left with wounds. And those are primarily young girls that become women and mothers into their life. And that rests ultimately on the shoulders of men and their desire, their desires that don't rest in the spirit, but rest in the flesh. So my word here tonight for all's concerned, calibrate back, get into scripture, read into the word, find the pleasures and joys in the Holy Spirit and all that we walk in. And step aside from the flesh, Romans 8. It's a powerful phrase. It's a powerful passage. And I'll close with that. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, not guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, that is, overcome sin and remove its penalty, its power, being weakened by the flesh, man's natural, man's nature without the Holy Spirit, God did. He sent his Son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin, and he condemned sin in the flesh, subdued it, and overcame it in the person of his own Son so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not live our lives in the ways of the flesh, guided by worldliness and our sinful nature, but live our lives in the ways of the Spirit, guided by His power. For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. But those who are living according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit, His will and purpose. Now the mind of the flesh is death, both now and forever, because it pursues sin. But the mind of the Spirit is life and peace, the spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God, both now and forever. The mind of the flesh, with its sinful pursuits, is actively hostile to God. It does not submit itself to God's law since it cannot. And those who are in the flesh living a life that caters to sinful appetites and impulses cannot please God. Romans 8, 1 to 8. It's worth a read. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you this evening for this blessed moment and this discussion that honestly we don't do enough of and we don't dig deep enough in. And Father, that's the relationships that we have with one another and ultimately the deviance and reprobate minds of so many that we've allowed to raise up in our culture with disregard for for the person, for the body, the flesh, only seeking pleasure through the flesh, flesh rather than to live purely and glorifully in the spirit. Father, we know very well that these types of conversations can create amount of dissension and discussion of dispute and separation. So tonight we're just praying that there's a unity in thought 
to understand that the importance and urgency of this type of discussion to reset our foundations as a nation, as a people, to turn our eyes to you and build our foundations truly on the Holy Spirit and the relationships in the Spirit, not the relationships in the flesh. And Father, for that much is going to have to be given from the guidance and wisdom that you can pour down upon us. And so we pray that that will be the case. That the clarity of what you're asking of us will be clear in each and every person's mind. And there will no longer be the discussions or concerns or even disputes about the emphasis on the relationships, which are ultimately should be grounded in the spirit, not the flesh. Father, I also know that this evening I've made some strong statements in my own position, which is a walk that you have me on. So I just ask that those words are heard and people take these to prayer. Reflect deeply on what is said. Be honest and truthful before you. Have the courage to listen and to take that to the throne and to be transparent and and vulnerable before you to reflect deeply, and then to make the changes in the family necessary to raise up a mightier army in the spirit, children of the future that rest in the spirit first, and even to address those relationships within the marriages to enhance the love of you within our homes. Guide us and protect us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, patriots, a lot to think about. But I think there are important topics that we have to reflect on in this time because sexualization is killing us. Hypersexualization is destroying us and it's destroying our children. And unfortunately, it's causing an enormous amount of damage and scarring on women and it's creating a distorted role of the man. And all that is giving fuel to one of the most evil and dark industries ever to rise up in the history of man, and that's the industry of porn. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning. Yes, it's Saturday, but I'll see you tomorrow morning for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe.